Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Sportsbet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sportsbet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sportsbet Montana location or by using the Sportsbet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sportsbet Montana launched almost a year ago. And in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sportsbet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sportsbet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. What's up, Montana? Welcome back. Little Chili Peppers for ya. It's an underrated album. Not as much fanfare as some of their other albums, but uh, certainly a good one. Coulter Nuanas coming to you from the Northwest Motorsports Studio. If you missed anything in the first hour of the show, we went all around Montana, the all-around Montana sports hour, presented by the Advocates. Appreciate all their support. Remember, if you've been in an accident, you probably have a lot of questions. The Advocates have the answers. You can call 406 640 4444 today and get the help that you deserve. We talked everything from Catherine Burkoff's record-setting ways on the North Carolina State swim team to some college track to some uh, former Bobcats in the NFL to a Whitefish native going to the NHL. We also gave our sort of internal awards for the Bobcats and the Grizz and men's and women's basketball. Who do we think were the Grizz and Bobcat team MVPs, defensive player of the years, things like that. You can find all of it on the Nuanas Now podcast, which is also presented by the advocates as well as by sports bet montana a few notes that we did not get to quickly the one and only big sky conference team that's still playing 
in men's basketball, Southern Utah. They have won three games in the the Basketball Classic, which replaced, I believe, either the CBI or the CIT. I can't remember which. <laughs> and they play Fresno State tonight. If they win, they'll be into the championship game of said tournament, and they'll also have their first 25-win season ever. So pretty interesting. Northern Colorado, if you missed last week, they also won a couple of postseason games. And uh, they were the second-to-last Big Sky team playing. So just those notes worth noting. Also, at Idaho State, we knew that they were going to get, uh, they were going to have a couple players graduate. And now they've had a several other players leave. So Montana Altrogi, she was into the portal and out of the pro- portal right away. She landed at Northern Arizona. I believe she's from that area. I think she's from Phoenix. So it makes sense that maybe, well, I mean, there, there's the connection, I guess. And I don't know if any of this makes sense or not. It's, it's all sort of nonsensical at this point. But the other big one was Diaba Kadate. She was the, the best of the non-seniors that Idaho State had, had on their roster, besides probably Tamika Whitman, who was a first-team all-conference player. And Diaba Kadate's in the portal now too, right? Well, I'm saying Whitman's in the portal oh, and, too. And, and Tamika Whitman, who was a first-team all-league player, is in the portal as well, right? So, yeah, and co-defensive player of the year. So that group, she went in with Oltrogi last week. Uh, it was reported that Kanate was in the portal then, reconsidered, took it back out, and is now officially in the portal. So Interesting. Okay. Well, uh, as the world turns, we will talk more about all that a little bit later on. And one last uh, note it's that time of year. A lot of openings in college basketball. There's actually probably going to be more openings in college basketball at the Division One level than ever before because there was a lot of athletic directors that did the whole wait-and-see approach. They gave sort of a grace year for what was last year, a year without fans and also it's a weird scheduling and postponements and cancellations and all that sort of stuff. And so I think that there's going to be a lot. I'm talking dozens of jobs that open up. But a couple that already have, San Francisco, who made the NCAA tournament this year, they uh, have their coach, he left, and so now they have an opening there. San Diego also fired its coach at the end of the year. That's an open job. And the rumor mill has both Montana head coach um, Travis Takir and Montana State head coach Danny Sprinkle um, as potential names there on a long list of names. And also I've heard Travis Takir's name being floated around at SMU. That'd be interesting as well. So we will debate later this week, or I guess maybe more than debate, to sort of explain why the Big Sky Conference has sort of fallen into this uh, rut as a league. In, and let's get this clear. If, if you're a mid- to low-major league, you want to be a coach's cradle or a, a sort of a launching pad for coaches. It's going to be very rare to ever have guys that stay around for a long time, like Randy Ray has done at Weber State. But a lot of people would say Randy Ray kind of got stuck at Weber State. Travis DeCure now, eight years at Montana. Is he stuck at Montana? What does it take to get the next job? Shante Leggins sort of went the opposite direction. He went to the NCAA tournament once at Eastern Washington. Now he's at Portland, and he's getting rumored for Pac-12 and Big 12 openings uh, just because he led Portland to their first 21 season in a long time, even though they were – you know, fifth or sixth, middle of the league in the West Coast Conference. So why is the WCC a better um, springboard? Why is the Big West a better springboard? We'll debate that later on this week. You want to listen to the show? 
Stream the show. You can always go to our station website, 1029ESPN.com. Click on Listen Live and you will find the stream. You can also always find the show podcasted on all your various podcast hosting platforms as well as on our station website as well. And if you want to get a hold of us, you want to be a part of the conversation, you certainly can. 406-888-1029. That's 888-1029. You can call or text us there. Let's dive into what's going on around the world of sports outside of Montana and the Big Sky Conference. We've been doing history lessons from my fun uh, sports heroes book, circa 1954. And I used to always do sort of a book of the week from my bookshelf here behind me. If you're watching on SWX, you can see it. So when pertinent, we'll start doing that. But uh, I started thinking this because I wrote a little blurb in our sports center, our ESPN Missoula Sports Center, about Mike Krzyzewski's current and final run at Duke. And I called it Coach K's Last Dance. I thought to myself, well, that's that's a familiar name because I, if you're watching on TV, I got this John Feinstein book called The Last Dance. It's behind the scenes of the Final Four. It's one of my favorite books, certainly my favorite book about college basketball. And uh, it just got me thinking about so many different elements of this Duke run to the, the Final Four. Because Mike Krzyzewski has become an institution in college basketball. Uh, he took a Duke program that was nowhere close to being on anybody's radar, and he made it into a national and even international brand. And now here he is, 42 years, more than 1,200 wins, more than 100 NCAA tournament wins, and he's into his 13th and Final Four. Oh, by the way, the most Final Fours in the history of college basketball, surpassing none other than the the Wizard of Westwood, John Wooden, the by-and-large Widely considered greatest college basketball coach of all time, Mike Krzyzewski now in the mix with the Wizard. Krzyzewski's obviously not going to catch Wooden in national championships. Wooden's got 10. Krzyzewski, I believe, has four. I'm I'm trying to remember if he has four or five or if he's gunning for his fifth or sixth. Andrew's going to look that up for us in in just a minute. But regardless, 13 Final Fours for Duke. He's got the most NCAA tournament wins in history and uh, into his 13th Final Four. So very, very impressive. But I was thinking about this, you know, the, the cynic in me, the, uh, the conspiracy theorist in me thinks to myself, well, of course, after two years of non-normal NCAA basketball tournaments, one in which it was canceled, one in which it was played in front of 20% capacity, five national titles, says Andrew, for Coach K, and he's going for his sixth. The, the cynical and, and conspiracy theorist in me says, well, of course, after two years of not having primetime NCAA tournament March Madness, there's gonna fi- they're going to figure out a way to get Mike Krzyzewski in the Final Four during his final season. And, oh, by the way, of course, he's going to play North Carolina, a team that beat him in his final regular season home game, <laughs> making it a loss to his rival in the last matchup. Well, Coach K gets one more shot at North Carolina. But even the cynic and the conspiracy aside, the fact of the matter is that you have one of the greatest living coaches in American sports in Krzyzewski. And it's win or go home, which he's better at than anybody among his peer group and better than almost anybody ever in that scenario. And this time it's win and go home, win or go home forever. <laughs> and so I think the Coach K is pretty motivated. Uh, his guys looked unbelievably prepared for both of their games this last weekend. And, and I kept thinking to myself, if they play like they did, if, they, if Duke plays like they did 
against Arkansas on Saturday, they're going to win the whole thing. And it also helps, though, that they have, excuse me, perhaps the best player in the tournament and the guy I think is the most league player in the tournament and Paulo Bancaro. So uh, when you got one of the best guys and you got him playing at, at his best level and you are Coach K, you're Mike Krzyzewski, they're, they're going to be tough to beat. But I also was thinking about one of the most fascinating parts of sports when you're talking about legacy and greatness is analyzing it through the the balance of transcendence and longevity. We talk about this a lot around here. What's better, to be really good for decades at a time or to be transcendently good, unbelievably good, as good as anybody's ever been, but just for a moment in time? In other words, would you rather be Robert Parrish, a Hall of Famer, uh, who never was you know, a first-team All-NBA guy or an MVP but was in the league for 20 years and put up unbelievable statistics? Or would you rather be Bill Walton, the guy who had his career ravaged by injuries in the NBA but was a multiple-time Final Four most outstanding player, an, an MVP of the NBA, a champion during his early years with the Portland Trailblazers, and then a, a contributing cog even despite all of his health problems with the Boston Celtics? That's sort of the, the litmus test of, of the transcendence argument. But uh, the thing that's so fascinating to me is when you get to these Epic points of longevity, like Tom Brady is is in the midst of. Um, I'm trying to think of other examples of guys that that do it for so so long. There's this. Coach K has been a villain, one of the great villains in college basketball, for a long time. And the Duke teams of the early 1990s. I mean, Christian Leitner is, I think, unquestionably the most hated college basketball player ever. I mean, there's a whole documentary called Why I Hate Christian Leitner. Well, it's either him or Reddick. So <laughs> yeah, either right, way. Right, right. And Coach K, J.J. Reddick, uh, Coach K was so good at cultivating these sort of collegiate villains. But this is the craziest part is when you get all the way to the end and you've done it with, I think really all you need to do is do it with consistency. If you do it with also with class and humility, that's even better. But if you just do it with consistency, I think it's good enough to sort of turn people's heads. Tom Brady's a great example. I hate Tom Brady way less than I used to. Derek Jeter, towards the end of his career, I, I couldn't hate him anymore because he was just, he'd just done it for so long. And that's where you're, you're kind of at with Coach K. Any other year, it, it, was a, it was a surefire bet that, what, two-thirds of the people watching the Final Four, if not more, were vehemently rooting against Duke. <laughs> and now I think that you got some people that are like, well, you know, I don't really want Duke to win, but it would be pretty cool if Duke won. I, I know that I have been a Duke hater my whole life because one of my best friends ever and the guy I probably watched the most college basketball with, he's the biggest Duke fan ever. And he's just like worships at the shrine of J.J. Redick. He thinks Coach K's the man. But I, I do think that if they were to make this run and, and really send Mike Krzyzewski off into the sunset, what a story. You're getting soft, man. It's never a great story if Duke wins. I don't know what you're talking about here. What, it, okay, it, so how about this? What would this story be like? What if North Carolina won the national championship? How about what that fan base would able would be able to have in terms of bragging rights? If they knock sure. Duke out and then win the Natty as the eight seed, being the only the second eight seed to ever win the national championship, I believe Villanova 1985, that Raleigh Massimino team that knocked off the Titanic Georgetown team, which, by the way, I learned that in this uh, this last dance book that I'm touting here. Um, 
it would be one of the greatest, craziest runs ever, right, if North Carolina actually won. And Kenny Smith would be the most insufferable person on television for at least a week. Well, and how about that blueprint for the post-Coach Kate Duke years, right? Because North Carolina's been going through that since Roy Williams sort of stepped down recently. To uh, You know, that comes with a lot of questions about your program. But, yeah, man, is that... I don't know where that ranks at uh, one of the biggest college basketball games of all time. I'm trying to think where it even ranks among the biggest Duke-North Carolina games of all time, and Lord knows they've played a million games with high stakes, but that one, just because it is Coach K's last year and potentially his last game, I think has to be up there. The fact that they lost the last one, and it was at Cameron Indoor. And it was a blowout. For those that didn't follow along, I think that they. I think that the statistic is somewhere around 240 players have played for Mike Shishetsky over the last 42 years. <laughs> Obviously, the new state of affairs with all these transfers and all this stuff really skews the the statistics. But I believe that pretty much everybody that played for Coach K then graduated for Coach K, and they weren't having a bunch of transfers in and out really for like the first 35 of those 42 years. But regardless, you know, let's, let's just say 250. Let's just rough number 250. Regardless, the, the statistic was approximately 80% of the, Coach K's former players went to that final game. So for his final game to be at Cameron Indoor, to have thousands of people camp in front of Cameron Indoor for months, quite literally months, to get tickets to this thing, to have tickets to this game going for $80,000 plus per ticket, and then to have Mike Krzyzewski lose his final home game to the rival – I think it, it's impossible to say that this isn't the best, the, the biggest Duke North Carolina ever. I mean, it's in the Final Four in what could be Coach K's last game. He can't lose to North Carolina after already losing his home finale to North Carolina. Yeah, and they've never played in the tournament before. I was kind of shocked to learn that fact. It, it's it's right up there. I mean, this is a game where you become a legend or you don't. Here's an amazing statistic that my brother sent me earlier today. Brooks Nuana, shout out to you in case you're listening. Saturday. When Duke plays North Carolina, it will be the 100th time that Duke and North Carolina have played in Mike Krzyzewski's 42 years at the helm. In that span, Duke has won 50, North Carolina has won 49. So this is for the full-on bragging rights and or to be exactly 500 against your rival. By the way, if you're wondering, the point differential in the history of this series, 7,000 with Mike Krzyzewski at the helm for Duke, 7,784 for Duke, 7,763 for North Carolina. 21 points in difference in 42 years and 99 matchups between these two. Just crazy. Incredible. It's totally incredible. One is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. That brings me to my last thought about this, and I want Andrew's opinion on this as well. The uh, It's funny because I, I probably complain about the state of college basketball as much as anybody that does sports talk radio, because I do think there's several parts about the the product that are broken. It's hard to familiarize yourself with with the landscape of it because of all the transfers and because of all the one and dones and now this new G League Ignite and all these different factors. You also have such a harder time having coaches at certain uh, at places for long times, like Mike Shashetsky. Um and it's it's really hard to make to find and and make and cultivate stars. That was one of the biggest parts about college basketball all the way even until like the last, I don't know, six or eight years was the stars. And it's hard to make stars. Guys don't really become stars or even start crafting their reputation as stars 
until the NCAA tournament rolls around. And then it's sort of just a blip in the radar, and it's hard for them to, to sort of maintain. But I, I think that one of the reasons I'm so critical of it is I do love the, the tradition and sort of the lore of college basketball. This Last Dance book by John Feinstein is one of my favorite books. And one of the most important parts about men's Division I college basketball is the, the pillars that are the coaches, the icons that are the coaches. And you know, in the 80s and 90s, when college basketball was much more popular than the NBA, until Michael Jordan sort of elevated the NBA on a global scale and you had the Dream Team and then the Bulls of the 90s, like in the 70s and the 80s, it was not close. The most popular basketball in the country was college basketball, not the NBA, not even close. And part of it, though, was the just the icons that roamed the sidelines. John Thompson at Georgetown, Jerry Charkanian at UNLV, Dean Smith at North Carolina, Bobby Knight at Indiana, you know, Raleigh Massimino at Villanova, uh, Louis Carsecchia at uh, at St. John's. I mean, on down the line. And they're just I, Lefty Drizel at Maryland. There's so many different coaches. And even when you had a Lefty Drizel, then you'd have a Gary Williams, and then he became an institution. And even when you had Dean Smith, then you have a Roy Williams, and he's an alum, and that's, that's an institution. And so you wonder, though, who's going to carry that on? And I was thinking to myself, who sort of has the chance to be the next? Because John Calipari's been one of the premier coaches in college hoops for 25 years, but he's done it at multiple stops. Rick Pitino, like if Pitino just would have stayed at Kentucky, he might be the answer, but he didn't. He went to the NBA, and then he's had all this scandal and the fallout at Louisville and all these different things. And so I just wonder, who are the top candidates to... There's not going to be another Mike Krzyzewski, but just to be sort of that institution of a coach, the guy that everybody's interested in, the guy that everybody knows what his program's all about, sort of the pillar uh, of the the program and, and the team. And uh, I have a couple names, but who, what do you think of this dynamic, Andrew? Well, first of all, shout-out to John Feinstein and shout-out to bringing a John Feinstein book in here. here. Here's a story for you, Coulter. John Feinstein was the first sports writer that I really got into and whose work I really enjoyed and who I really looked up to as a sports writer. That wasn't really a consideration for me. Back then, this was in, like, middle school, wasn't a consideration for me that I was ever going to become a sports writer, but I knew that I loved reading John Feinstein's books. My favorite is The Last Amateurs about the Patriot League college basketball season. I still think that's one of the finest sports books ever written. It's really good. It, it's incredible, and he's got just so many classics. He's got so many classics. Uh, a Long Walk Ruined, all about golf, is is a phenomenal one. Uh, there's the one Bobby about... Bobby Knight. There's the... What, what's that Life one? Life on the Brink. Season on a Brink. Season, Season on, on the, the Brink, brink. Yep. yep, yep. Uh, by the way, total tangent, but the new Sports Illustrated, Mike Krzyzewski is on the cover. And um, there's also a wonderful article. I had no idea about this. Wonderful article about how Dean Smith and Bobby Knight, who would have imagined those two, were lifelong pen pals... And somehow Dean Smith's widow had found all the letters that they had written to each other. And then somehow this was then submitted to, this is all retrospectively after Dean Smith had passed away. But uh, all these letters then got submitted to the library in North Carolina. And they wrote this great feature about the the friendship between Dean Smith and, and Bobby Knight. It's just, just so, so classic because those guys are so different. It's amazing. But regardless... Great new Sports Illustrated with Mike Krzyzewski on the cover. But that's all to say, though, that I think that maybe the two biggest options for this next guy or or the next institution are two guys coaching in the Final Four. Bill Self at Kansas and Jay Wright at Villanova. Here's the guy you're missing. Yeah. Mark Few. Right. 
Mark Few, if we're talking about somebody who's going to become the next Shashevsky, where there was the program before him and right. there was the program after him. For sure. That's, that's Mark Few. Really I mean, one. you know, like at Kansas, he had Larry Brown and Roy Williams. I still think Bill Self has the ability to surpass both of those guys because both of those guys eventually left. Uh, is sort of the same thing for, for Jay Wright at Villanova. Uh, but if we're talking about a guy who transforms a program, it's Mark Few at Gonzaga. That's a good one. And I, I do think, too, like it's so silly because you can straight up lead a team to the Final Four and still get fired later on. I do think that now Bill Self into his fourth Final Four and won the Big 12 99 times in a row. And Jay Wright, you know, I mean, if Villanova was a national championship, Villanova's won three out of the last six national championships. Who had that? Nobody really even thinks of that. But Jay Wright is now basically unimpeachable at Villanova as well. And so I think that also adds to this dynamic. Well, and it's also not only getting fired. It's just whether these guys want to leave. Because I think if you if you leave voluntarily, if you take another job, it sort of detracts from that icon status. And when we're talking about, like, this is rarefied air, right? We're talking about Coach Krzyzewski, Dean Smith, um, John Wooden, like you mentioned, you got to check a lot of boxes. It's not just the winning. It's not just the success. It's not just the transcendence, like you said. It's not just the peak. It really is the longevity, and it really is creating a legacy there, and it's not not leaving, you know? Um, and, I, you know, I don't think Bill Self would ever do that at Kansas. I'm not sure what somebody like Mark Few would do at Gonzaga. I don't think that there are a lot of steps up in the college basketball world from where he's built that Gonzaga program, but there's there's so much that goes into it. You want us now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Great conversation about longevity in college hoops. When Jim Beheim and Mike Krzyzewski walk away, who will be those institution-like figures? TSPN Radio, as well as SWX Montana Television. More about the wide world of sports, including some World Cup, some Oscars, some what I've been watching lately, and uh, maybe some more on the Final Four as well. Keep it right here. It's Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. If you're ever injured in an accident and you're worried about if a lawyer is going to cost you too much money, the advocates, they will provide help for you. No out-of-pocket costs until your case is settled. You pass the stress of your accident off to the advocates. That helps you focus on getting better. To find out how the advocates can help you, you can call them free of charge, 406-640-4444 today, or you can visit MontanaAdvocates.com. And remember, you deserve an advocate. ESPN Missoula Sports Center. Catherine Burkoff broke a pair of the United States records recently. Jake Sanderson is going to the NHL, and the Grizz softball team earned their first Big Sky Conference win of the season. Hello, I am Coulter Nuana. Burkoff, a Missoula native and Hellgate alum who is currently an All-American junior swimmer at North Carolina State, became the first American woman to ever swim under 49 seconds in the 100-yard backstroke at the NCAA Women's Swimming National Championship meet last week. Burkoff's time of 48.74 seconds beat the previous U.S. national record by four-tenths of a second, and she also set a new collegiate record in the process. Burkoff, who won 16 state championships and set just as many state records during her peerless prep career at Missoula Hellgate, has now won four national titles and earned All-American honors in 13 different races during her decorated career. Last week, she also swam the fastest 50-yard backstroke of all time, clocking in at 22.76 seconds. Sanderson, a Whitefish native who recently competed for Team USA in the Winter Olympics in Beijing, signed with the Ottawa Senators of the NHL last week. The three-year entry-level contract 
means Sanderson will likely not return for his junior season at the University of North Dakota. And the Grizz softball team came up with a 5-4 win over Portland State Sunday in Missoula for the first Big Sky victory of the season. The Grizz fell 3-2 and 4-3 during Saturday's doubleheader to a Vikings team that won the Big Sky tournament last season. This ESPN Missoula Sports Center is brought to you by Selway Armory. What's up, Montana? Hope you're having an outstanding Monday. It's Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, as well as SWX Montana Television. We're just playing catch-up. That's what we're doing. We're going all the way around the world of sports, both in Montana, around the Big Sky Conference, and just around the wider world of sports as well. The, uh, The whirlwind that is... Football fall camp through the end of the NCAA tournament is uh, now over, and so we're kind of catching our breath and uh, just getting getting caught up on all things. So uh, fun to do it. We love being here with you each and every weekday from 4 to 6 p.m. And in the, the name of continuing to meander, because we're going to talk about a variety of different things here, including some more Oscars, not necessarily just uh, – Will Smith smacking Chris Rock, but also a couple sports movies winning Academy Awards last night. I'm also watching a really fun new show about the Los Angeles Lakers, and we've got some World Cup news to hash out as well. But I have a little history lesson here. This is out of our 100 Greatest Sports Heroes book, which is circa 1954. Uh, very cool and very fun to continue to learn about um, or re- learn or relearn uh, some of the... Uh, Great athletes of the first half of the 20th century in America. So we're 43 pages into this thing. Uh, they got, this is all in alphabetical order, so we're, we're in the G's right now. This thing's got uh, quite a bit. This thing's got almost 200 pages. So uh, we'll, we'll keep doing this throughout the year. But uh, this is a fun one. This is probably not one that people need to relearn or be really reminded of. Probably the, one of the most prominent sports heroes in this book, Lou Gehrig, the Iron Horse. Famous for so many reasons. The the cleanup hitter on Murder's Row, uh, the infamous 1927 Yankees, for most of the 20th century, widely considered the most dangerous batting lineup in all of baseball history and one of the most prolific ever as well. I mean, when you got Luke Eric and Babe Ruth, that's a pretty good start. Uh, I think the Dodgers are probably going to um, rival that this year, unfortunately. We'll talk about that later on this week. But uh, Gehrig also so famous for becoming baseball's great Iron Man. And uh, there's the old joke about Wally Pipp. The day that Wally Pipp, who was the New York Yankees starting first baseman, lost his job, he never got it back. He reported to manager Miller Huggins he got a bad headache. And uh, he took a couple aspirin. They threw Lou Gehrig out there. Well, took 15 straight years before the Iron Horse ever missed a game. 2,130 consecutive games, the total, and that lasted all the way until Cal Ripken broke it to much fanfare. Uh, Gehrig, he remains one of the great hitters in the history of, of all levels of baseball, no question. He's got the career record for Grand Slams with 23. He hit 493 home runs 
and to finish his career with a batting average of 340. And if not for being stricken with Lou Gehrig's disease and dying at the uh, much too young age of 38 years old, never know what, what Lou Gehrig uh, might have become. But uh, Lou Gehrig's disease now more commonly referred to as ALS, and we certainly know at least a little bit more about it. But uh, he was certainly one of the, the most prominent first people to, to succumb to that. So fun little history lesson for the day, Lou Gehrig, an icon among icons when it comes to uh, baseball. Uh, Andrew, I had actually not known about this. Andrew Houghton, our producer uh, here at ESPN Radio, uh, you were texting me about Lucia Harris. I, I guess I had missed that they had made a documentary about her. Uh, but this one, the best, was this the documentary short or the, or the documentary long? Best documentary short. So for the Academy Awards last night, it's called The Queen of Basketball. Tell people about Lucia Harris. She was, remains to this day, right, the only woman that was ever drafted in the NBA. Is, do I have this right? That's right. So this documentary is about her. That's right. And, you know, a very... Um pertinent documentary because I think not a lot of people knew about her, Uh, but really one of the greatest players in certainly American women's basketball history uh, went to to Delta State, which is sort of a a forgotten dynasty um, in women's college basketball and down in Louisiana. Um, She was really one of the first great women's basketball players. I mean, I'm looking at her stats here. The the one-year stats they have listed for 1976 at Delta State, 31.2 points, 15.1 rebounds per game. Wow. So how about that? She was three-time first-team All-American, lost only six games in her college career. Um, and, and, yeah, I mean, this was at a time when women's basketball was – certainly didn't receive the publicity that it did nowadays when sort of the stars of the game are becoming household names or a lot of them are at least known to sports fans. Uh, this was before all that. So she, you know, she, she couldn't play in the, in the WNBA. That wasn't a thing that happened. The there, that wasn't a thing that existed, I guess. For sure. Yeah. Uh, You're full probably 20 years out from the WNBA even. 20, 25 years. So, She was uh, she was drafted in the seventh round of the 1977 NBA draft by the New Orleans Jazz, uh, and was unable to attend their training camp that year because she was pregnant. Wow! So that's sort of just a, an incredible what if she did play, uh, you know, briefly professionally for a startup women's league back then. But it's something that just falls off the face of the earth. The the history and the memory of this. Uh, incredible athlete. So uh, great to see that film. I actually haven't seen it, but uh, great to see it get some recognition at the Academy Awards last night. And then the uh, best actor goes to Will Smith, and that was completely overshadowed by Will Smith. Open hand slapping (laughs) Chris Rock. I still can't get over how funny I think it is. I know it's insensitive to laugh at like an actual uh, live event of somebody like borderline assaulting somebody else. Act of violence, yeah, it is for an sure. Act of violence, but I still just think it's so funny. Um, regardless, I'm not here for the the morality conversation of this. It was just like a stunning moment, and I just chose to make it positive and can't help but but giggle at it. But anyways, um, Smith won his first Academy Award. He's been nominated before. And uh, he actually has had 
He's he's been very open about this because he was nominated for the the Best Actor Award uh, for The Pursuit of Happiness, and he actually lost the Best Actor Award that year to Denzel Washington when Denzel Washington famously won it for Training Day. But Smith has been quoted saying, like, hey, you know, I've done this wide-ranging uh, arc of films, and I sort of worry that my my creative peak came with The Pursuit of Happiness, but he gets all the way back and he wins it last night, and uh, he wins it for King Henry, which is the um, biopic, I guess you'd call it. King about, Richard. King Richard, excuse me, not King Henry, King Richard. Thank you very much. Um, about... The Williams sisters, Serena and Venus Williams, and uh, but also about their father and uh, his influences on uh, their trajectory to become um, true phenoms and then uh, true icons in the in the tennis world. So um, worth noting that uh, uh, I, I was trying to think of this. Is there any other notable like best actor or best actresses? that have won Academy Awards for sports movies. Did Sandra Bullock win that one year for the, the longest yard? The blind or side? the blind side, the longest yard. That's the Burt Reynolds movie about jail. Uh, how funny is that? No, the blind side uh, about Michael Orr. I can't remember. Did Hillary Swank win it for Million Dollar Baby? I be- Ooh, I think that that film definitely won Academy Awards. It's not that rare for, well, I shouldn't say it's not that rare. It's not um, terribly rare for, for Academy Awards to be sports movies. I mean, Rocky was best picture. Right. Once upon a time. And we've had a couple that have been in the mix, but just in terms of actors, uh, interesting. Will Smith was also, I believe, a, an Academy Award. He was up for the Academy Award for best actor when he did Ali as well. And that was the second thing I thought was interesting that Will Smith did his best Ali to, to Chris Rock. Here, there's a hypothetical for you. We'll, we'll end this segment on that note. And then we'll get to some World Cup stuff here in the, in the final segment here on Nuanas now. How much different would everything that happened last night in terms of the uh, sort of rollicking and, and much commentated on Academy Awards where Will Smith slaps Chris Rock, if Will Smith didn't slap him, he punched him? A lot different, right? Oh, we, it's so different. We went through this with the Juwan Howard thing, right? Right. Uh, and Sandra Bullock did win uh, she did. Best oh. Leading Actress for okay, the Blind Side in 2010, so good call there. Yep. We just went through this with Juwan Howard with the, the Wisconsin coach at the end of that game. Uh, a lot different, man. It would have been... Uh, I think because it was an open-hand slap, and also then because Chris Rock was more shocked than he was hurt and or injured. And That's he, right. And he wasn't bleeding and all these different things. Like, Will Smith, I mean, Will Smith's what, 6'3"? He's uh, a big six, guy. Four, I mean, Will Smith's good. He's, a, he's in great shape. He's a, he's a... Seems as if he's a good athlete. I mean, he's played athletic roles throughout his life. And this isn't, you know, Tom Cruise running a million miles per hour. Tom Cruise just looks fast because he's 5'5". Five, five. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Will Smith, I mean, he's a big dude. And he trained to be a, you know, to be a boxer in a movie for a, more than a year. And he transformed himself for Ali. So um, I guess what I'm getting at is if Will Smith has his fist closed in that and he knocks one of Chris Rock's teeth out, I think Will Smith's getting kicked out and the whole thing's probably getting called off, right? Well, I think I think if he gets punched in the face, Chris, Chris Rock's probably just coming back at him, right? Like, I think that raises the chances for just an right. altercation, like these two guys brawling on the stage at the Oscars. I, I don't know. I, but, it, yeah, I mean... It's, it's the same thing as, as with the Juwan Howard thing. It's more about the disrespect than actually wanting to hurt this person. That's right. That's right. Well, this has been a fun show so far. We'll keep on having some fun. More on uh, the World Cup and more on the show I've been watching in the evenings as well. Keep it right here. Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. 
Sportsbet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sportsbet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sportsbet Montana location or by using the Sportsbet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sportsbet Montana launched almost a year ago, and in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sportsbet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sportsbet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. What's up, Montana? Welcome back. Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, as well as SWX Montana Television. Thanks so much for kicking it with us here on your Monday. Hope you're having a great start to your week. Hope you had a great weekend. Sunny and filled with golf and basketball for me. Can't complain. Pretty fun. You missed anything in Nuanas Now. We went all the way around the world of sports in Montana in our first segment. Also gave some uh, of our choices for the the best of the best when it came to the men's and women's basketball teams for Montana and Montana State. And uh, also had uh, a discussion about some of the other storylines throughout the big sky as hoops almost over. Southern Utah plays tonight uh, in the Basketball Classic Tournament. They're the last big sky conference team playing. And we also talked some college track, some college swimming, all sorts of different storylines. And uh, our number two fun discussion about Mike Krzyzewski and uh, legends and icons in college basketball. Also, we've been talking throughout the show about the slap, as we're going to call it. Will Smith smacking Chris Rock last night at the uh, Academy Awards. It's just it's too too good to not talk about. And uh, also t- talked about the actual Academy Awards because a couple sports movies uh, getting honored last night as well. You can find everything from today's show in the Nuanas Now podcast, probably presented by the advocates as well as by Sportsbet Montana. Tomorrow, we'll have our Treasure State Stars for the week. We'll also have Justin Angle, business professor at the University of Montana, swinging by. Also, probably going to have some fun, talk some NBA, and uh, we'll see what else we can round up. Also, continued prep coverage coming up as well. So, I look forward to that, too. Uh, Last couple things here for you on your Monday. Andrew, first of all, Andrew Houghton, our producer here at ESPN Radio. Uh, What's up with the World Cup? Team USA, we're in, we're almost in. What's the scenario? Well, that whooshing sound that you heard was the uh, United States men's national team community exhaling Mm. after the 5-1 win over Panama in Orlando last night. Uh, U.S. came into this last window of three World Cup qualifying games in a good position, but as we know from 2018, when they did the same and still failed to qualify, that doesn't always mean anything. Uh, Panama, one one of the other teams contending for this one, so to go out and score three goals in the first 30 minutes of the game and sort of coast from there to a 5-1 win, the United States has qualified for a World Cup, and they have qualified in one of the top three spots as long as 
they managed to not lose to Costa Rica by six goals. I believe that game is on Wednesday in Costa Rica. So as long as they can keep the score under six to nothing, they're going to the World Cup as one of the three automatic qualifiers from the North and Central American region. So just a huge weight off the shoulders. Okay, very interesting. And uh, one last note, we'll, we'll hash this out a little bit more tomorrow because I actually plan on watching the most recent episode tonight. But um, most of you know, if you follow along, I'm not a big show guy. I usually am. Um, if I'm going to watch something on television, uh, it's almost certainly going to be sports. <laughs> and then if I'm not watching sports, I'm usually probably writing something or coming up with something for this show or you know, it's being generally creative, using my screen time in a way to benefit all of us, you know, my, myself and, and you and everybody in between. But I did start watching this new uh, HBO series, new drama on HBO, Winning Time. And it's all about the, the origin points and evolution of the uh, Showtime Lakers in the 1980s. Uh, very good. They, we're, I'm already three and a half episodes in, and we still haven't even seen a, a stitch of basketball. It's all been character building. It's really well cast and... Uh, it's super interesting. And I also love when you have sort of these dramas about real people when they don't over-glorify them, when they don't. <laughs> you know, like Jerry West is infamous for his, his temper and his hyper-competitiveness. He's not a nice guy in this uh, in this show. So we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more as well. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. We'll be back at it tomorrow. Nuana's now ESPN Radio. See you at 4 p.m. Have yourself a wonderful Monday evening. The Advocates can help you if you've been injured in an automobile, motorcycle, pedestrian, or even a dog bite accident. For additional information on other types of cases that the Advocates handle, you can always visit MontanaAdvocates.com. You can chat with an experienced attorney with no upfront out-of-pocket expense. Visit online or call 406 640 4444 today, or you can visit MontanaAdvocates.com. And remember, you deserve an advocate. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here. And if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at MSUBookstore.org, or of course, you can check out the MSU Bookstore. Live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold or visit online anytime, anywhere. MSUBookstore.org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus.